Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, everybody, to the VPZD show and podcast. This is episode 28. And Zubin Damani and I are sitting approximately 10 inches from each other. Yeah, I, I, We use the metric system here at uh, VPZD Industries. Uh, is this a few centimeters? Do you say centimeter or centimeter? I say centimeter, but I hear people say, who says I, centimeter, I, I, these Brits? I don't know who says it, but I hear Americans saying it, and it's been a medical thing. Nobody outside of medicine says centimeter. Centimeter. Like, do you say I have 25 cents in my pocket? You don't <laughs> say that. And what about, is it JAMA or JAMA? Oh, no, it's JAMA, dude. It's JAMA, that's yeah, what I say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's good to be back with the audience, and let's, as brief introductions, remind people, you're Zubin Damania, you're a Stanford-trained and UCSF-trained hospitalist. I'm Vinay Prasad, I'm an oncologist and professor at UCSF, and we host the VPZD Show, which is a medical news show. It's a purportedly a medical news <laughs> show, according to legend, and it's funny, here's the medical news. Mm-hmm. I drove up to San Francisco uh-huh. to come to your studio this time. Yeah, and it is wonderful. And I love it. I'm in love with this place. I, it's like built on an Indian burial ground. And not a Native American Indian burial I ground. No, an uh, Indian yeah, burial right, ground. Yeah, right, okay, from and India. From yeah, India. Right, of course, yeah. And it's India, totally right. haunted. I can feel it. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. What the what the audience doesn't know is that it's all held together with super glue and duct tape and that everything outside of the frame is wretched and decrepit. Yeah, but I, we won't talk about that. We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, it's it's impressive. I, I'm, I'm amazed at what you've been able to do with such a small space Thank it you. just is it's it's beyond and again it took me years to figure out how to frame shots and do all that and you just kind of did it because you're a gunner and i hate you no i watched some i did i did what most youtubers do which is watch a youtube video about how to <laughs> and then i asked you and and i still didn't get my camera settings right until this video itself we finally have changed so people out there who are purists will see that we're at 60 no we're at 30 frames a 30 second. frames a second yeah, uh, which i keep from... because you know you have that soap opera effect at 60 <laughs> and but see that's what you People don't know about VP is he is an Indian soap opera star. I see. I could easily yeah. succeed easily, in Bollywood. Easily. easily. Just sit there like you, look, you have to make the eyeline with the female actress and say, you know, farta fart, get out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. I am skilled at sword fighting and dancing, so I could make it in <laughs> Bollywood. I could make it. Um, let's. There's so many things to talk about. Yes. And we got to talk about we didn't all do, of them. We didn't do any pregame today. We have no idea what we're talking we about. We were so focused on this technology, we yes. didn't talk about our issues. That's right. Here are the things that I want to talk about, and we'll mm, see what you want mm-hmm. to talk about. Number one, colonoscopy. Oh, yes. News. I can't wait. Okay. Number two, the science editorial. Holden Thorpe has taken a aggressive stand against 
that renegade Joseph Ladapo. Ooh, JP, JL. Yeah. In Florida. Florida. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And okay. JL was formerly, of course, a professor, associate professor at UCLA. Mm. Yeah. And I'll tell you what uh, Holden Thorpe says. Okay. And uh, Yale University has a new guide for academic freedom where they say that students, you know, turns out they're going to have to resolve things by themselves. What? I know. Hard to believe, right? No. That which does not kill you makes you weaker. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what else is in the news? I think... Uh, what about the University of Minnesota Medical School's uh, 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 white coat oath? Did you hear about this one? No. Oh, well, okay. this will be something that we yeah. can do. All yes. Right, all right. about yeah. that. You want to, yeah. You want to kick off with that or do you want to go deep on the other stuff first? Let's do colonoscopy. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Right, that's what Let's get some wants. science. That's, that's yeah. what everyone wants to know about. Uh, yeah. This is a great piece. The, the study that came out, you wrote a great piece in Sensible Medicine. Yeah, with Mandrola. Yeah, with, J, with JM, JM uh, yeah. who is a very thoughtful, evidence-based kind of guy. And, and what I love is that when he puts out a piece and other people disagree, <clears throat> we actually post the disagreements and it's all done out of like, trying to grow and learn and all that, which is yeah. how it ought to be. Well, to be fair though, we don't post all the disagreements. We only post the disagreements from people who can Put the sentence articulate, together. Yeah, right. Articulate. Yeah, articulate the disagreement. We don't post the people yeah. that are just showing you a middle finger <laughs> and, and are calling you some kind of like, you know, uh, uh, what, oh, you get, I mean, why even go through all the names? We get I, I can't even I mean, track. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll give you the 30-second lowdown. So yeah. basically, you know, that uh, there was never a randomized control trial done of colonoscopy. We have had randomized trials of FOBT that were done in 19 diggity. Fecal, fecal, uh, fecal occult blood testing. You remember so that card? Taking the poo... Put, so I'm going to tell you something okay, yeah, that you me. may not want to know. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, already, I already know I don't want to know You it. can order Guayac <laughs> cards on Amazon. Oh, gosh. And a few years ago, I started thinking, you know what? If you can get Guayac cards on Amazon, I'm going to dig it in my own butt. Oh, God. And so I would oh, every now and again f do a fecal occult blood at home and develop it just like we do in the in the ER. Just to get a baseline? Uh, just to make sure. You know, <laughs> I believe in serial testing. But you're not, you weren't at the time, you weren't over the age of 50 and they didn't change it to... No, I was I was probably 45 and they, yeah. they were they, talking about talking changing about it. And I said, you know what, yeah. what's, what's the harm? Because at that point, uh, I think I'd had some remote family history and some, you know, and I was just stupid. I, I was just stupid. Well, because I mean, what if it was positive? That's what, then you get a colonoscopy. Yeah, I get a colo at forty-five, which is what they're recommending. Yeah, they. So let, they yeah, have, oh yeah. I mean, obviously, in the highest level of modeling, they've come to. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and I mean, they had data for fifty and above, but they modeled the data for forty-five. But yeah, so, so fecal occult fecal blood, blood testing, but it's all from the diggities. It's all right. from the eighties. Right. Flexible sigmoidoscopy, which probably has the strongest data, has multiple, now four randomized controlled trials. The pooled meta-analysis was in the Annals of Internal Medicine this week, mm. and it shows a reduction in colorectal cancer death, um, and it also shows a reduction in all-cause mortality if you pool all the studies, which probably puts it uh, as one of the better screening tests. It has the best data. Um, and we didn't have it for colonoscopy. Mm. Colonoscopy was, of course, widely preferred in the United States, but many European countries didn't jump there because European country was like, why would you spend two or three thousand dollars for something you can spend five hundred bucks for Flexig? And what is the and why pay more for something that has less evidence, uh, more invasive, potentially more harmful because there's a higher risk of perforation, um, more prep time and more time off work uh, than paying for the thing that's more tried and true. And yeah, and this is perfect. Let's, so I'll back into yeah. a little bit of the difference between Flexig and, yeah, and, and Colo. Yeah. So Flexig, you're putting in the same sort of scope. It's shorter. You're not getting all the way to the right colon because you don't, you don't have to fish it in as far, which means less sedation, if not any sedation. Um, and uh, like you said, less invasive and less expensive, less time, et cetera. But the, the th so this is where, this is where 
good intentions might go awry. Mm -hmm. So they said, but colo, you can actually fish it all the way, theoretically, to the ileocecal valve or so. Oh, so right. all the way through the full colon. And if you could see half the colon, wouldn't you wanna see the other half? And the analogy that many people make is if you scanned uh, one, if you did one mammogram on just a breast, you can't just extrapolate it to the yeah. other breast. And they and they thought, well, okay, with that, and it's it makes more money, it's more expensive, and mm -hmm. all those things. And they said, well, more is better, which is the sort of modus of medicine. So. What 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 I mean? What might be wrong with that thinking? Yeah. Of course, having not studied it. Yeah, I guess that the differences would be that the right and left breast, as far as I can tell, are biologically similar. But the right and left hey, colon are. Speak about your own, bro. <laughs> My, I have different names for mine. A diff they're, just, they're distinct. Yeah, <laughs> they I mean, are. Honestly, yeah, they even have their own birth certificates. You know, really. Uh, but the right and left colon are, you know, fundamentally different. They have different embryologic origin. They have different um, pattern of colon cancer. When colon cancer arises, there's usually there's some different in the order of mutations, like early p53 loss on the right side, more likely to have sessile polyps, um, you know, just different biology. And then when you think about the treatment of metastatic colorectal cancer, people didn't think it mattered which side it started on, but now we know it does matter. There are a number mm. of drugs that have an interaction. They don't work if it's from one side or they do work from the other. Um, so they are biologically different. And so I think uh, it is not the same as extrapolating from one breast to the other. Uh, it's extrapolating from a proven study design to one that's more invasive, more costly, that has less evidence. Got it. Yeah, and um, we'll enter the new study, randomized control trial of 85,000 people. And uh, you know we've been on and on about it on, on my channel and on Sensible Medicine. Um, and basically it's, uh, it's an invitation study, randomized people to be invited to colonoscopy or not. 42% of the people invited participated. Um, they powered the study for 50% participation, so actually very close to what they had wanted. Mm. Um, among the people who were not invited to participate, there was close to 0% contamination. In other words, none of those people were getting screening colos. Wow, so if they weren't invited, they just weren't getting colos. So this must be like a Nordic thing. Yes, they, yeah. picked, they picked geographic regions mm. where those regions committed that they weren't going to debut a screening program outside of the study, mm. and they hadn't already. Mm. And they pick ages where there wasn't a program debuted. Got it. So this is beautiful because you know the first complaint would be if anyone had a screening colon on that arm, you're they'd contaminating. Say, yeah, they'd say that, well, of course, you know, all the benefit is vanished. Because you're not seeing a difference because there's so many people. Right, so but right. for 42% of people who were invited in the invitation arm yes, did that it. was randomized did it, right. And it varies from like 20% in Poland to 60% mm -hmm. in Norway. Oh. And the results don't vary though. So even though it was higher in Norway, it's not like they have a win in I Norway. I see, I right? see, yeah. Uh, and it had the primary endpoint of the study and the thing it was powered for was a reduction in colorectal cancer death. And it just failed to meet it. It was 0.28% colorectal cancer death in one arm and 0.31 in the other, statistically the same. Basically, three-tenths of 1% risk of death from colon cancer over a decade. The second endpoint was incidence of colon cancer. And if you had colonoscopy in the first few years, you know, there's way more cancer because they found a lot of cancers and clipped all those polyps. But as time went on, there was a protective effect, like having had a colonoscopy meant you were... 20% less likely to get colon cancer, to put in numerical terms, it was something like, you know, your risk of getting colon cancer was like 0.9% to 1.2%. So like we're talking about like one percentage point, you know, like, you know, a quarter of one percentage point reduction. Mm -hmm. um, so... And the theoretical reason for that is, yes. again, like you said, early on you're catching oh, yes. cancer, so the incident goes up. Later on, you're actually having caught already polyps and precancerous yes. lesions that you've removed or addressed and therefore have prevented the dreaded 
diagnosis of colon cancer. The dreaded diagnosis, right. yeah. And I spoke to the, the investigator this morning and I said, well, what about rates of colectomy, hemicolectomy, and all these downstream men's points? He says, they will publish that in two years when they do their next analysis. Oh, wow. Okay. That'd be good information. Yeah. Because it be... probably feeds into the all-cause mortality data. Ah, yes. <laughs> which I'm coming to, which is, right. and this is what was crazy. These are like 49 to 64-year-old people uh, in these countries. And the risk of being dead for any reason in the next decade was 11.03%, like 11%. Mm. So basically you tell somebody like, look, bad news, buddy. You know, you got a one in 10 chance of being dead in a decade. Wow. And actually that to me is a lot. That's you know? a lot. And that's in my age demographic right now. So I'm screwed. No, you're not you 55 know? yet. This is. Oh, wait. So I thought you said it was. A so 55. Four, oh, 55. 55 to 64. 59 or 69 69. yeah okay you're just you're you're getting close five years later man come on jeez but you may have an eight percent risk of death i don't know you know what i'm gonna round (laughs) i'm gonna round it down to a zero percent risk (laughs) but he's about to get in a car with me so it's gonna oh yeah it's gonna go 25 percent it's gonna go 100 yeah so yeah but i mean i think that that's telling because imagine you told somebody that, you know, the risk of colorectal cancer death is three tenths of 1%, but the risk of dying for any reason is 11%. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's a small contribution. Yeah. Um, the study, of course, is just negative, totally negative. Uh, you reduce colon cancer incidence, they proved that, mm-hmm. but you didn't reduce death from colon cancer. Mm-hmm. So then they did a per protocol analysis. They took just the people who complied with it. Yeah. And they compared it to a subgroup of the people who were invited but didn't do it. Yeah. And they matched it for the covariates they could measure. Right. Age, other stuff, obesity, smoking, all that. But they don't match it for the covariates they can't measure, like how many times you eat quinoa and if you go to the gym and how docile you are. This is key. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. And then that per protocol estimate was 0.15 versus Mm -hmm. 0.3. So it was a, you know, one-sixth of 1% reduction in colorectal cancer death. That to me is like the best case scenario. Right. And it's probably biased. Yeah. And one way I know it's biased is the the two per, two people out there who will understand. If you do an instrumental variable analysis, that number is actually not 0.15, but rather 0.06, suggesting that the bulk of that is actually confounding. Anyway, that's a technical point. <laughs> sorry, oh, sorry. You, said, you said a word I didn't understand, and that I have a trigger where that just puts me right to sleep. Yeah, well, Instead, that's okay. We'll skip over no, that part. Yeah, no, that, no. That, so, so actually, okay, I want to, okay. I want to back into one thing you said, yes. which is important. So, this per protocol analysis, this is what they did. Remember, early on, and this is for people like me that are a little slower on the uptake than VP. Uh-huh, Early on, they, they, they randomized to two groups, one that yes. was invited to colo and one that wasn't. The one that was invited, 42% of them did the colo. Now, the first argument people who would say, well, the trial was negative, well, that's because more than half the people in the invited arm didn't go. So of course, they're not even getting the treatment you're trying to study. So let's go back and let's just look at the people who said yes to the invitation yes. and then compare them to an, a matched group from the placebo yes. that did not. Now. Here's what Vinay, I think, is pointing out, which is those that might as well not be a randomized control Correct. trial, anyway. <laughs> yes. right? Because yes. at this point, you're selecting for people who said, yeah, I do want to get a colonoscopy yes, yes. by the end. So they're different people. They're different people. And, and, and I always tell people that if you're going to trust the per protocol, you don't even need to run a trial. Like you can just go to like Kaiser Permanente data set and just say, who got the colonoscopy? Who got the colonoscopy? And let's find matched people who look similar Bingo. who didn't. Observational trial. Yeah, and that yeah. would have low credibility. Right. Uh, and this has low credibility. And then the other thing I'd say is like the beauty of the study is that people keep saying 42% is low, it's low, it's low. Uh, they powered the study for 50%. Right. Okay, so they're very close to that. And then the second thing I'd say is, what do you think it is in the US? <laughs> um, survey data 
When you ask people, like, are you up to date with colorectal cancer screening? Yeah. It's in the 60s. Right. But that's not the same as <laughs> what they actually did. Exactly. Yeah, because there's a pressure. They feel like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you up to date with going to the dentist? Uh, 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 totally, VP. <laughs> my, my snaggle tooth says otherwise. <laughs> the listener doesn't know, but his halitosis tells me he's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're too close. <laughs> too close. So, so, um, <laughs> so, uh, um, so per protocol per study protocol. has showed up, and this is what this is how they're reporting it now. Yes. So, the the GI societies and others are saying, well, wait, you said a 0.15 relative risk or risk in in the per protocol group that got the colo and a 0.3. So that's a 50% yes. risk reduction. 50% risk reduction. Relative risk reduction. And they love to broadcast that, the GI docs. Um, it has a schizophrenic response. Let's talk about the response. Yeah. In Europe, they say, this is good information. This tells us that we should think about how we spend our money, and we shouldn't spend it disproportionately on the screening test that might not offer benefit. In the U.S., they say, no! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they say, my summer home! <laughs> what did Upton Sinclair say? It's very difficult to make a person believe something when his uh, income or livelihood depends on him not believing it. It's really sad yeah. to even watch the response, but some people said they shouldn't have even published this study because it's misinformation. Oh my gosh. Well, let, think, let's think about this. Let's think of this from a standpoint of compassion. You go to so much fellowship and all that, and you enter a field, which I almost went into, GI. You did. Where, where the main cash generator to pay back your loans and all that is screening colonoscopy, I believe. I mean, I don't know. I'm making this up. No, I, I think it I is. I think it is. It is, yeah. Right? It's very lucrative over time. I mean, that's all it seemed like we were doing when I was doing, when I did my rotation, is was screening colos and then the occasional, like, cool thing. Yes. Like, a, you know, a, a, a Bilestone or something, an ERCP, something really fancy. Fancy. I see. That probably also doesn't help. But no, I mean, I'm kidding. No, no, and, I think, yeah, okay, I mean, okay. ER, yeah, ERCP is a whole different thing. Yeah, but yeah. so, all that said, you you can feel why people would be very conditioned, consciously and unconsciously, to resist data that says the opposite of what they've been conditioned and trained to believe, and they think they're doing the right thing. They're good people, right? So that that's the problem, I think. And and you see this with with PTCA with the coronary stents yes, and all, with all the same thing. stenting and courage mm -hmm. and orbita. Yep. Um, and, you know, many of their arguments I found were a little bit lacking. Like one argument was that they said all the people who did the scopes here were not good. Yeah. Uh, that's contradicted by the fact that they were really good at hitting the cecum, which is a quality metric. They're really good at bowel preparation. That was a quality metric. And then they use this thing called adenoma detection rate. Mm. And it's supposed to be like, you know, 30% uh, adenoma detection rate. Mm -hmm. um, and they say like, what percent of people have an adenoma detection rate below some threshold mm. that they consider to be like, you know, inferior? Inferior, yeah. And they compared what they achieved in the study to like what a very tiny study from like Kaiser Permanente showed, mm. and it looked like this was a little bit lower, mm. but the tiny study from Kaiser Permanente was more recent, mm. and it was from like a health system where they had incentivized for ADR, right. and I actually like found a registry study from 2014 America, and then this study ran from 09 to 14, and when you actually look at like apples to apples, it's actually quite very close. Uh, okay. It's like almost the same ADR. Yeah. And the other thing is like, doctors in the US are told that that matters, so the moment like a measure becomes a metric, it ceases to be a useful measure. Right, because now everybody's gaming towards that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a challenge. Uh, this is really interesting because there, there's a subtlety here. Like, let's say your analysis. Okay, the reaction was exactly like you said, yeah. and and it's understandable. I don't, I don't. But what you've kind of made a career out of is saying, okay, yeah, this reaction is to be expected because you have a very expensive procedure yeah. that you're asking everyone to get now. 
there will be people who will swear that that procedure saved their life because they caught a right-sided cancer in a 46-year-old and they got, without the colo, they would have died of colon cancer. And that is an individual anecdotal story, which may in fact be absolutely true. Might be, yeah. But when you extrapolate to a population, what's the downside when you look at all-cause mortality? And we talked about this on our show with Rita Redberg, yeah. which is you are now screening a population. So what, what you asked earlier, a good question, which is, well, what was the rate of hemicolectomy, taking out half the colon or doing something aggressive correct, based correct. on something you found? And how does that affect overall mortality? How does the anxiety produced from the procedure affect it? How does the occasional perforation and complication correct. affect it? And I know a physician colleague of mine whose wife was perforated during a screening colonoscopy, was otherwise healthy, and had a one-year recovery. Wow, um, really? Yeah, just terrible stuff. One year? Yeah, and this was a, done at a high volume, high prestige center. So this was not like somewhere in the boondocks. Oh, you know, I was just talking to the PI and he made a really interesting point that in uh, the countries they ran the study, most of the screening colons they did, they do unsedate because oh. they're, they're not, you know, spending all this money on anesthesia like we do in the right, States. Right, 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 right. And then, you know, people in the States will say like, oh, that's horrific. Who wants a colon unsedate? That kind of stuff. Right. But it has a flip side, which is when you do it unsedate, his point was they have like a 0% perforation rate. Of but part, But part of the reason it's zero is you can't perforate somebody who's awake. You oh, know why? Because when you they, push, they'll kick you in the face. They'll kick you in the face. Yeah, but if they're sedate then you can blow right through and this you won't is, even know. This huh? is amazing, actually. Yeah. Because in America, too, we have this sort of right to pain control. Yes. Uh, and meaning like we cannot even suffer brush any discomfort, brush narcotics. our teeth without, without narcotics. Yeah, All the like, sensitivity to face. Yeah, that's floss. right. I mean, I, I'm in San Francisco, so I can get heroin like to, to right now. Obviously, I mean, the city will just provide it for you. Right? It'll it'll just, it's in the air. In, yeah, um, I mean, there was a homeless camp just down the street where I can definitely yeah, get of course. some. I mean, this is Why wouldn't I have that if I'm going to get a colonoscopy? It's or the epidural floss. of my butt. I mean, yeah, or even floss. I mean, yeah, that's true. And if I see blood, I'll faint because that's too much. But yeah, no, no, this is a good point because that's interesting. So they do it unsedated. And so your perforation rates of of course it'd be zero because it'd be imagine perforating someone who's awake you got to put your body you got to put some weight into it you know you got to yeah. push it really hard you got to try um you know i've shattered a couple have you ever shattered a colonoscopy have i ever what shattered one? Oh, oh yeah 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 so here's what happened in my experience we well, shadowed meaning go and watch it yes yeah, not i uh, oh yeah no no i did the rotation because i thought i was going to do gi so there were lots of colos really by the way dude people will fart out of their mouth during a colo uh, really yeah it's, crazy. it's just nuts yeah um uh and then did you ever see the thousand dollar bill in the sikum or <laughs> no it it was uh fifty thousand rupees that's what my dad said <laughs> he said go in and take it out <laughs> do gi don't do general medicine so when i went they we had the scope and they insufflated and then they had that like biopsy port yeah and they unscrewed it to put the like what thing with the clip on oh it. yeah 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 and then when they took the clip out took the, the 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 biopsy tool out they forgot to put the cap back on oh no so the air was like blowing oh out no like, butt like, air right in your oh, face oh <laughs> dude no that literally was it was those procedures that actually convinced me i, I couldn't do gi because i thought in my mind oh i can play video games in people's butts all day every day and then, and I loved liver and I loved the cool ERCP stuff, but what ended up happening was uh, I smelled one too many, you know, retro insufflations. And I was like, I like poo as much as the next guy, but just as much as the next guy, not more. You know, and I got to say this, which is like, we'll agree on a couple things. One, um, it's really coveted. Like last I checked the charts, cardiology, GI, allergy, immunology, the yeah, most coveted big ones. I am specialties. Yeah. Hemonk, palm critical care, like below it. Right, because they're harder work. Well, that's not true. No. That's not true. I don't think that's true. They're not, no, okay. that's not true. And then yeah. nephrology, room, and is blo and, and no, less, and le less, less remunerative. Yeah. That's what I'm That's saying. all it is, money, yeah. So I guess, I guess, I, I really wonder, let's say they all the subspecialties of medicine paid exactly the same. Yeah. 
You think GI is going to be as competitive as it is? Mm, it's too many butts. I wonder. I, I mean, I tell you what drew me to it was I loved the GI physiology. Oh, yeah. Like I just really loved it. And, and uh, I liked the, I'm going to be totally honest yeah. here. I liked the psych aspects of it. Because oh. everybody who came in with a GI problem, 90% of them had some psychological component. Often there was a psych. And so you could sit with them and just, you could see them light up from being heard. And I, I really dug that. So that was like my, I did, and I didn't know it at the time because I was like, no, I just like putting things in people's butts for money. Well, one of the things that confirms that is like, you know, with IBS, not IBD, but right. IBS, they've done randomized trials of placebo versus nothing. And in the placebo arm, you tell them this is placebo. No, this is placebo. <laughs> it's obacalp. Yeah. This is a placebo. Yeah. You say, this is a placebo, but some people find it helpful. Right. And it still works. They get better. And it still works better than not doing anything. Yep. I've which, seen those studies. You know, so very It tells you they, it's this, it's this therapeutic relationship. It's mm -hmm. the being heard. And, you know, I, I just did a talk for a bunch of nurses and you could you could tell nurses understand this already. And when they see medicine going towards this reductionist, like, oh, algorithmic approach, they go, well, that's not going to work because they know what does work, right? You know, one thing I found interesting about this whole saga was, you know, they put their paper out, there's a reaction to it. It's more vigorous in the US. They're all these kind of, I mean, at some point it crosses into like delusional thoughts where, um, where people are like, uh, it shouldn't be published or you shouldn't, you shouldn't say it's a strike against colonoscopy, but, but it is a strike. I mean, at the end of the day, now that it's out, I think people have to ask themselves, why are we as an American society paying for this more aggressive, more costly, more time consuming thing when there's a cheaper alternative that has better evidence? There's going to be a few more studies. I'll tell you what, if some of these additional studies come back negative, yeah, then it's a thing. Then it's a thing. I mean, it's a thing probably now. It's a thing now. Yeah, but, but they've got a hard now, time running away from it. Now, like mam mam mammography, though, yeah. we have to say on an individual level, you may say, well, you know, the colo saved this guy's life or something, right? Because yeah. that can always happen. It's just the area under the curve when you're talking about a population screening tool, saving the most people for the least cost with the best outcomes. Maybe colo's not the way, right? Flexig, better. Yeah, you know, it's always tough for me to think about it that way because I feel like it's going to sound crazy, but. For an individual, it's like almost impossible to know the counterfactual. You can't know, yeah. You know, um, it's also why we were reluctant to like, you know, like uh, Mandrilla was making the point that like, he's like, I don't want to tell you about the anecdotes because mm. I don't want to have the anecdotes. The person who had colonoscopy, they drank it and then they had like an atrial fibrillation episode mm -hmm. and they had a complication while they were getting it done or they had a stroke mm -hmm. peri-op, you know, peri-procedure. Mm -hmm. He's like, because I want to look at the population data. So like, just like there's an anecdote of the person who, I mean... In my Twitter feed, there's so many people with anecdotes. Like my father had done the prostate that's right, that's and he died right. of sepsis. That's right. Right. And yeah. like, you know, so yeah. it's hard to know the counterfactual. No, you're absolutely right. Now, in a perfect world, we would think in the way you're talking about. Right. And what's interesting though is humans are narrative-based creatures. Narrative -based. So they will hook onto that. If they can't, if you don't give them the anecdote, they'll find it somewhere. Like some somebody will tell them. And like, I also wonder, like, let's just say we just take one person and you did a colonoscopy and like you found the cancer that you think would have killed them otherwise, although you don't really know because it might have been, they might have died from something else anyway, um, or the cancer may have been very slow growing. Right. But if you just took or that one regressed. person yeah. Yeah, and you like replicated them like a thousand times, I don't know, like do you even get the same outcome? Oh, like how much, right, how much of it is the counterfactual, just the randomness of life? I think uh, humans are uh, not, not, they're not entities, they're not objects, they're not yeah. machines, they're processes, they're flow. 
And so as a result, that flow has a, a degree of uh, sort of stochastic, just random probability to it. So you're right. You take a thousand, like if you're doing placebo versus placebo, like yeah. me versus a clone of me, that's perfect molecule for molecule. The yes. outcomes are gonna be different between those two. That's the other, yeah, yeah. isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah, okay. it's really interesting. We're, we're very complex dynamic systems that, I mean, you spend, and this is, this'll sound spooky, but you spend five minutes meditating in a real samadhi, like a real unified mind state, and you realize, dude, everything is just a flow of unpredictability and just awesome, just craziness. That's interesting. And I it mean, just I, manifests like this. This yeah. is what we see, yeah. I mean, I do think that there's like a lot of randomness to life that gets left out of these stories, but okay. Well, yeah. The colonoscopy, I think we'd be, I mean, our points are made. Uh, the reaction, oh, there was the reply. So one of the people read this article. This is a professor at a university. And um, this is like person submitted a comment to Sensible Medicine and that we published as an anonymous comment. So the first thing I just want to point out is that like when you talk about professors mm. writing comments, about colon cancer screening, and they still feel the need to remain anonymous. Mm. Like we really have to wonder what's the culture of academic medicine. Uh, like this this person is worried that there'll be retribution. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's terrible. So this person makes many points, but one point is like we we people keep saying fifty percent reduction, and they keep saying colonoscopy. Like it won't work if you don't do it, which is kind of like all this rhetoric, but it misses the fact that like the absolute benefit in a per protocol analysis is still super super small. Super low. Yeah. And like you could wonder like whether or not a person would even want to consent. Like, to be honest, I doubt that I'll actually consent to doing this because I don't want to, for, for, for one-sixth of one percent, I'm not going to really be drinking a bucket of, and pooping myself all night. This is the thing. So when people get the information and they can look at it in a very clear way, they can make a decision for themselves. Yeah. They may say, you know, even for that small thing, I'm anxious enough character or I have enough of a family history. That I want to do it. That I want to do it. Right. Great. Or, yeah. Or, you know what? Like me, I'm very on the fence. I, I did the uh, fit test. I see. Uh, no, not fit. I did the full um, DNA, Cologuard, fecal DNA. That was fun. You get to poop in a bucket and send, mail it. Really? Oh, dude. Just freeze it? Oh, dude. It, it is, okay. You're gonna, let's say you're gonna ask an 80-year-old to do this. Okay, first of all, don't. Okay. Because this is what's involved. They send you this very complicated kit. It's got these instructions with big red letters like, do not do this. If you do not do this, the poo will get on the mailman. Like, so you have, you have to put this little hat in your thing yes, and you in poo directly into it. Then you have to close it in exactly well, the right sequence. What happens if you pee and poo at the same time? Well, that's the thing. So if you have proper control of your wee-wee, you have to aim it away from this little bucket that sits back further. I see, just so, okay. Yeah, because otherwise you'll contaminate it. And, uh, and if do you don't- women, Do women have more difficulty than men? Great, I don't know. Okay. I don't know the data. Okay. But I know it wasn't as easy as you might think. And is I'm there, a reasonably uh, intelligent there a, guy. A wee wee rest as part of the, as part of the kit. <laughs> a little a little stand that you could. Yeah. But you have to have exactly the right mushroom holder so that you could put it just perfect. It has to be personalized medicine, is what you. Yeah. Yes. Precision. <laughs> precision. Precision. I see. Yes. Precision. Okay. Uh, so so you get the hat, you poop in it, mm -hmm. and then what do you do? Then you got to box it up just right. You got to put give a special. You gloves? No, they no. they they don't. But you have to put the special juice in it and mix it and close it just when right. When you say mix, are you serious? You mix. I mean, you got to do. Some, I forget. I think the exact thing. Thing, but there is a juice that you put in. How do you transfer it? You uh, it, 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 it's nicely already in the hat. I think you just break some tabs oh, off or something. Yeah, so you don't have to handle the oh. stool directly oh, my goodness. unless you screw it up. And then you have to package it just right and you mail it off. And it worked. At room temperature? Uh, yeah, room temperature. Standard temperature and pressure. It has to be at standard conditions. You're a chemist. You know what I'm talking about. Like it has the and barometric what pressure. What envelope does it go in? It goes in a box in a special plastic envelope that you seal. And then you put it in the box, and then you send the box off. And, and the plastic envelope, what's the quality of the seal? 
Good question. I did not stress test it. Uh, Are we talking about like a freezer bag? I mean, it feels like a freezer, like a gallon, Jesus like a uh, freezer bag type thing. As, as I recall, it's been about a year since I did this. So if somebody mails me some holiday yeah. cookies. Let's just say this. <laughs> there are enough haters of us that they would they would pay to actually have their cola guard sent to us. But and then they, we'd but, be like, oh, cool. Someone sent me a prize. <laughs> Open it up. What they don't know is you, you'd still run the I would run, I you would totally. You, you know what I would do? I would forward it so on then, to the, when yeah. you get that sorry when you, you, <laughs> no, I would, you say return I would, I would pay the gift forward oh, okay. I would forward it to someone I don't who's like who's the poor person working in this factory opening these up could you imagine Ugh. you remember that I live I don't know if you're old enough to remember I love Lucy at all yeah, but there was barely. the episode where they worked in a factory making chocolates and then the, bu- the belt went the belt started going yeah. faster and then she started eating the chocolates I see what's oh, to stop you gosh you know? oh no I think that's the one job that even I will say you should wear your N95 <laughs> I mean just I don't, I don't, <laughs> Now, now, one important thing you brought up was absolute risk reduction, right? Wait, okay, but no, but oh, no, what, sorry. When did you get the, the result? Oh, oh, so I got the result like a couple weeks later. Weeks? Because my PCP didn't call me with it until a couple I weeks. See. And it was negative. And it said, you know, okay, yeah, now you should follow up. And it had all the usual boilerplate about And And honestly, I'm not sure how it made me feel because I was 48 <laughs> when I did it. Um, and I just thought, you know. They're recommending forty five. I'll I'll do it because why not? I and then I thought it. I'd do a show about it, right? And I think I did talk about it on my show. So the the so Katie Couric's willing to take her audience into her colon. That's right. And you wouldn't even take them in nope. the restroom. Doctor Oz did a colonoscopy li- uh, a recording for a show too, and they made a bunch of drama. Like they played that stinger music where it gets really? like like going in and they goes dong dong. What's really? this? And like oh, and it's, it's just a crude talk. It's just crude talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's just John Fetterman up oh, in his God. colon, you know? <laughs> Wait, so then what about, okay, so back to this thing. <laughs> I had to tell you about, so then the sensible medicine guy, right, our anonymous person. Right. Anonymous, East Coast academic physician, right? That is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, writes in and says many points. I mean, these are good points. But then the last point just really struck with me, which was, this person says, I've never in my life experienced mm. so many trainees internal medicine residents and GI fellows who he contends mm. do not understand the nuances of the discussion mm. so adamantly in defense of colonoscopy mm. with the stinking conflict of interest that like it's their own thing. Mm. But also, I mean, I think this person was kind of alluding to the sort of um, the line between confidence and arrogance where you know you just entered it, you've not read any of the relevant studies. You never, you know, and already you're coming in and saying that the per protocol is right and this is wrong, you know, and and I, I think it is different than anyway. Thoughts on this? So uh, yeah, yeah. My my my, my thoughts are. We're uh, humans are very narrative based. We're very susceptible to conditioning. These are people who are betting their lives on this career path. And they've also probably seen enough cases where they've caught something with a colo that never would have been caught. And the patients were so grateful. That's maybe the GI fellow. Yeah, the GI fellow. I am resident. Okay, now that, Mm -hmm. that makes me wonder about their brain. Okay, going and it may be that we're just not teaching them what you're teaching us now, which is how to critically look at studies, how to think through data on a population level. They can think maybe on individual levels, but I think they're as much victims of narrative um, bias. And and they probably have seen some stuff too. And they may have family members who got a colon, colon, you know, you never know. And so they're biased. They they don't know what would have happened. Again, they don't have the the counterfactual or the control group. you're helping me understand, I think, that why someone who's new to a field might be a true believer. Mm. Okay, and mm. I get that. But I guess I think the interesting thing about the comment is mm. also that 
when we were trainees, they were true believers. I knew Dr. I won't say his name, but mm -hmm. he went into interventional cards and mm -hmm. when he was, you know, 12 years old, he was telling me how great it is to stint. Right. Okay. And he was that way as an intern and a resident and as a fellow and this person would argue with me. Right. I think what's unusual in this situation is that it isn't just a conversation at the lunch table among trainees. It's that they're really going out there mm. and they're criticizing mm. um, the PI, you know, mm. Mm. <laughs> um, who is... Mm ran the goddamn trial and is a professor and has been thought of about epi for 25 years and published 50 papers on the top okay you know what's different yes this is what i think because when when we did it yeah yeah we didn't have social media okay. we didn't have the social scoring of getting points yeah. on twitter yeah. we didn't have a public mouthpiece where we could show off we could do it in grand rounds not grand rounds we could yeah, do it yeah, in morning yeah. report you could do it in morning report you could yeah. do it on rounds you could say well i think and and the P.I. would slap your face and beat you down. You know, and I think that if you had to do it like that. Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't say shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, can you <laughs> yeah. imagine, like, you're an intern mm -hmm. and you're in grand rounds. And and I guess I want to draw the distinction, like, yes, like, an intern should feel empowered to talk. And, like, if you really think that person's arguing, you should get up there and make your point. Absolutely. Okay, but I think realistically, in the mm -hmm. culture and in the room and in the mm -hmm. feel of the moment, you would really want to be very certain you were right mm -hmm. before you got up there and said a oh, random word. Very certain. I mean, and, but on Twitter, that, that certainty doesn't matter. And you get the, tr the group benefit yeah. of people who agree with you, like all these other people. Because remember, the anti, the sort of right-wing Vinay Prasad, if they knew you, they'd know that wasn't true. Yeah, the right-wing oh, right okay, yeah, Vinay yeah, yeah, Prasad okay. is endorsing this trial's <laughs> results and is refusing to, to, to believe the per protocol study, pro per protocol analysis is saying that, hey, that's a 50% relative risk reduction for colonoscopy. Yes. And so therefore- Refusing I'm to believe. Refusing to believe it. He's a refusenik. And now <laughs> he wants to, you know, so therefore he's, all, I'm already in the different tribe from this guy. And now my, people that I kind of like on Twitter are saying, well, but the but, the pro, per, per protocol. But the but. And then they're like, well, I'm a smart guy and I believe this too. And then they double down yeah. and then there's a thing. Thing. But that I think, uh, I, and, and I like that it, it brought it back to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do think a lot of it was relevant to our dialogue, which I can say why in a second. But um, but some of it was even entirely apart from the sensible medicine portion of the debate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people were saying that about the trialist. You know, they're really right. people were throwing egg in his face, and mm -hmm. I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. And by the way, and since then, I read like multiple of his prior papers, mm. and they're good. They're good papers, yeah. yeah. Um, but then back to sensible medicine. Mm. Um, so, you know, just looking at the stats, mm -hmm. you know, I put out a video on the colonoscopy trial. Right. Right when it dropped. Right. And then I put out the video with Mandrola and Sifu, and we had the debate. Yeah. And then uh, right after we talk, I'm going to put out the video with the interview with the PI. Right. And then we had the article in Sensible Medicine and the reply. Right. And collectively, among all these things, yeah. Twitter, all these outlets, I mean, yeah. I think we're talking about like 200,000 plus views. Mm. And how many people do you think even read the paper? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Families have a lot going on. 
Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. No, not zero. <laughs> couple? I don't know, maybe 30,000, 40,000? Yeah. Oh, read the actual I, paper. I don't know, maybe maybe probably 100,000 downloads, but okay. how many people actually read it? Oh. I don't know, maybe 10,000 or so, 5,000? So the conversation around the paper is getting much more engagement than the paper itself, which means people oh, are yeah. relying on people they trust to tell them or to have the discussion, which means who do you choose who to trust determines the bias of the information you're ultimately gonna get because you don't have the time or the tools to look at the primary data. So I think that's right. Yeah. I think that the actual people who've read the paper and thinking directly about the paper is very low, mm. maybe 1,000. Mm -hmm. The people who are influenced by the editorial, mm. which is written by American GI doctors who like colonoscopy, that's maybe higher, maybe a few thousand. Sure. Um, the people who are influenced by the media coverage and CNN has some terrible story and, uh, uh, but stat, this one guy, Angus, uh, Chen had a really good balanced piece, mm. uh, in the days that followed. I think that's a big chunk of people, mm -hmm. but I guess the other point is I think probably 50% of the public dialogue was captured by us. That is crazy. Isn't that crazy? Sensible yeah. medicine for the win. For the win. Well, I'll tell you this. I was riveted to the to the to what you guys were putting out. I was yeah. like, oh, this is my kind of thing. And you know what's crazy is, so this is what my mom does, because she watches our show, but she doesn't follow sensible medicine. Okay. That. She sent me uh, this uh, some CNN piece saying um, colonoscopy doesn't work. Oh. That's, that's how, that's, I don't know if it was CNN actually. They had just one-lined it as uh, less effective than felt or okay. whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know why she, she wonders, and I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to. She listens to the show, but, um, <laughs> but you know what? This is on your platform. No, oh yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah, oh, so this is all. Oh, this is on Benai's channel, so she won't see this. So, so um, you know, she had a colo. I don't know, age seventy or something. Yeah, they found an adenoma. They took it out, and they said you need to come back in five years and get another one. And she didn't because she kept making excuses because it's at age eighty. At age, and now she's eighty. Oh, she found yeah. it at seventy. I think she found it at seventy-five. Okay, I forget okay, exactly, okay. but. Um, She's a little late for the follow-up and they keep trying, now she's 80, they keep trying to get her back. My dad was just in the hospital. She hates the prep. She hates going through it. She doesn't want it. She doesn't want to get cancer, but she's like, I don't know what to do. And I told her, I said, listen, it's only you can make this decision. But I think that, you know, scoping an 80 year old, even if they had a history of an adenoma, doesn't sound like a great use of your time and resources. I, I think it's going to be uncomfortable. If you, but again, if you're terrified of cancer, because she had, did have breast cancer at one point, um, estrogen receptor positive and all that and did fine. Uh, you know, you, you, you can do it. And um, then this paper came out and now she's like, well, see, maybe I don't have to do it, right? Wow. So it's kind of interesting how these influences all uh, come together. Maybe um, she should talk to the PI because I interviewed him and I asked him like, you're gonna love this. I'm gonna put this little clip out there. How do you counsel the patient? Mm. And how do you counsel the health minister deciding whether or not to fund it? Mm. And he just talked for like five minutes how he talks to patients. Mm. It blew my mind. Mm. He was like, I present the risks and the benefits. And if they say they want to do it, we do it. And if they don't want to do it, they don't do it. There you go. And he has calculators that he uses and stuff. But that's not what happens in America. No. It's like, you're 45. Get your colonoscopy, so, moron. Yeah, you know? so, so her PCP literally is harassing her because yeah, they probably have some heat measure or something where she's not in compliance. And how old do you have to be to be off the hook for all this stuff? I mean, the randomized trials are not going up into this age group. 80 years old, they want to do a colo on her. 
I mean, what is the evidence? I mean, I don't think there is, there is an evidence. evidence. And the truth is, I forget what she had. I think she had an adenomatous polyp. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the size of it. Right? Yeah, the yeah. size of it. And I mean, is it a sessile, like mm-hmm. big villus adenoma? That's a different thing. From, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I told her, I said, you know, I would say talk to your doctor, but I don't think your doctor's doing anything that makes sense. So yeah. you're just going to have to, here's the information. It's like you said. And I sent her your sensible medicine piece on it. Which she read and she was like, this is great. I know. I'm like, welcome to sensible medicine. Yeah, it's sensible. I mean, what would a sensible doctor say? It's hard to find one these days. Hard to find one. I had had a person with metastatic lung cancer, Mm. like Mets to the bone, the back, we're on like second line chemo. Mm. And they come in between visits and said, sorry, I missed that. I had to get my colonoscopy. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) And 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 there's a paper in JAMA uh jamma jamma uh, and it actually looked at i like jamma better you're right i don't know yeah Mama i like jamma. it better yeah i like Mama it jamma. it's uh, good uh it actually looked at rates of rates of colonoscopy psa mammograms on people who already have a metastatic cancer diagnosis and mm. it's not trivial oh my gosh so they like people do this crazy stuff you're screening for what another cancer when this person is on second line chemotherapy yeah. they're they're median survival is probably less than 12 months so you're going to spend it drinking prep yeah and going, but this is this it's is pure, pure iatrogenic, harm. iatrogenic yeah. harm and delusional thinking, even on the poor patient's part, because they've been conditioned by the system to do what is told of them because they're scared. Yeah, I mean, it is malpractice. I really, think. I think so. And I mean, the Europeans would their heads would explode. Totally. I mean, it's so funny if you, you say this to an American, like, well, you never know. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, right. I think this is a. It's so egregious that they'll. But they do often screen people with other life-limiting conditions, yes. and they don't seem to bat an eyelash about yeah, that. Yeah, um, it, it's it's money. I mean, again, I think those systems you have the public resources that you're yeah. spending on it. Now, the thing is, we do here too. Yeah, you don't think the commons fifty percent of our healthcare spend is somehow governmentally associated, whether it's yes. Medicare, VA, Tricare, all that. Um, and yet, here we go. Here we go. Okay, yeah. let me tell you about the Ladapo. Yeah, I'm talk about your thing. Ladapo. Ladapo. Who is this guy? Yeah, so, um, and Joseph Ladapo, uh, I think he's in his early 40s. He's uh, MD, PhD, the Harvard Medical School. The Harvard. The Harvard Medical School. Um, He's a black man in medicine. Mm -hmm. He was, until very recently, associate professor at UCLA, where he was in general internal medicine and in the health policy division. And I know a lot of people in that department. And I asked somebody, you know, what's Joe Ladapo like? And they said, uh, brilliant. Mm. He's a brilliant guy. Um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, I think he initially um, was anti-lockdown, anti-school closure, um, a little bit more supportive of those medications that you and I never were supportive of, like hydroxychloroquine, right. ivermectin. He was more there. Right. So that might be the place we disagree with about. Right. But, you know, anti-lockdown, anti-school closure, very critical of masking data. Um those ones I don't think he's that wrong about. Right. I, mean, I think he's probably right about right. it. Uh, he got recruited to be the Florida Surgeon General. Right. He simultaneously was hired by the University of Florida as a professor of medicine. So associate professor UCLA goes to professor of medicine at University of Florida. Um, and he started working there. Um, he's been critical, I think, of vaccinating kids, mm-hmm. very young kids, because their risks are low and the vaccine data is equivocal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that respect, he's probably aligned with the majority of parents who haven't done it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. right. Um, he's also cognizant of the risk of myocarditis. He has an analysis um, that I honestly haven't gotten too deep into yet, but he has an analysis that links um, in those high-risk myocarditis demographics where nobody quibbles that there's myocarditis risk. Right. He believes they have found an increased risk of 
sudden death in that group or like mm-hmm. death in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the points he makes is that wouldn't it be, it would be unusual for there to be an increased rate of myocarditis without, without some, some, a, some death signal. Ancillary. Even, even yeah. if it's very tiny. Right, right. Um, but anyway, I haven't vetted all that. But that's right. the paper that created this consternation. Right. Because people said it was misinformation, blah, blah, blah. Right, right, and, right. You know, right. to be honest, that, doing that kind of work is just methodologically very difficult. Hard to do, yeah. It's very hard to do. Right. And even as somebody who just thinks about methods, I don't know if I have a good way to do it. You can't, yeah. I, I mean, mean, should you even go down that path? You wonder about... I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think th- that my, my logic is you have enough of a compelling case with the clinical myocarditis itself to argue that we need to think about say, right. making it safer. Right. You don't have to, as they say, gild the lily. You don't have to go that extra mile. Right, right, right. It'll be, na- it'll be naturally be more provocative and harder to prove. Right. But anyway, that's the, this is the debate. Got it. So it's a debate. I mean, look, I, I wouldn't play it the way they played it, but I, I do think myocarditis in that age group is so important that I, you know, I've been railing about it. Right. Um, he's appointed by DeSantis. Right. So anything he touches turns to... Uh, p- uh, poisonous right-wing drivel. Yeah, right. because he's a zealot right-wing. That's right. Okay. So he, that's... He, he's the one who put the migrants on the plane to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah, I mean, he, 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 yeah, yeah, he, he did it. He, it was like um, in the old show, The A-Team, whenever B.A. needed to get on a plane, uh, Mr. T, they had to sedate him with Ativan because he couldn't fly. Oh, pity the fool that goes on a plane. Oh, yeah? yeah, and so Murdoch would always stick him in the neck with some benzos. No. Yeah, in so... In this TV show? That's right. So that's what no. Ladapo is doing, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure i read it i read it on on, on, a, on a website you know it's interesting because there's so many people who worked in the trump administration but nobody says that everyone who works under trump is should be held to all the trump administration policies Correct, right yeah same with obama like you know right you can work for obama and have been against i don't know droning some civilian or something right yeah right, right you know? yeah, yeah okay so i mean just because you work for somebody you know yeah. it's i guess i get guilt by association yeah it's tough man because like obviously everyone in medicine and health policy wants to have a great impact so I am actually do understand why would a Scott Gottlieb be the FDA commissioner under Trump? It's his one chance in his life to right. be the FDA commissioner and have right. an impact. Right. Even if he doesn't like everything about Trump, he might be willing to swallow that in the hopes that he's achieving a greater good. Right. Yeah. And to be honest, some of the people who worked under Trump were patriots because they may have kept him from doing something like That's right. You know, something nuclear bomb button. I was like, Jesus, take the button away from the dude. You're fired. Yeah, you're fired. No, no, oh, it's the wrong button. Wrong button. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I mean, so there's this thing about shielding. Right, anyway, right, right. So he has this thing, and this editor in chief of Science, Holden Thorpe. This is Science, the journal. Okay, he writes an editorial, and it's basically says a few things that were crazy. One, um, many people are saying it, it's like it literally many people are saying. <laughs> There's no evidence cited. This is like a Fox News article. Some say. Many people are saying that Joseph Ladapo wouldn't have been professor of Florida had it not been for DeSantis. And I was like. Or Surgeon General of Florida. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. They, oh, he, professor. Yes. They think the professor appointment was unduly Wait, done. he went from associate at UCLA <laughs> you believe that. Yes. to professor at Florida. Florida. Uh, Black man, MD, PhD. Come on. Well published. Come on, Professor UCLA. Come on, they'd be bending over backwards to get him as a professor of Florida. They right? let you be a <laughs> oh, professor <God. laughs> at UCSF. Exactly, and you're not even black. <laughs> no, no. Um, I think it's. I mean, I mean, on that point, I do think it's important. I mean, I would say just honestly, I do think it's important to have black faculty in there, and and you need to make it an equitable place so that black kids growing up see black faculty we, at universities and that's a good thing. We talk about it all the time yeah. and now we're doing it and, yeah. they, and, and this well, guy... He's, he's not on the right political uh, team. That's right. So the liberals, don't, you know, they don't like him. Right. Um, Ledepo, yeah. I mean, he's an MD PhD from Harvard. Put aside any issues or anything else. I mean, just the, just his credentials, his publications, the dude will be professor. I, I'm amazed the right likes him. They're like, that's an elitist, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, and I think he's a 
pretty decent speaker and yeah. i think like many you know i like you have heard from people who know him and they speak very highly of him yeah I think it's and, oh, so. Science magazine says yeah, that. So what, then yeah. they say the next claim Holden Thorpe makes is that Joseph Ladapo says I'm just trying to start a debate. Holden Thorpe writes, "Quote: This is page one from the anti-science playbook." Oh, okay, it? yeah, okay. So this is where like these these sort of kind of rabid, uh, pr- purportedly pro-science people yes. say is they look they take the anti-vax people or the anti-GMO people or whatever and they say they always want to have debates they always want to say oh you know this is what we're doing we're just trying to have a discussion and it's unacceptable because they're you know they're uh, uh, their science is terrible, they're cherry picking studies, it's conspiracy thinking, they're moving goalposts, all the things that come with kind of conspiracy mis- misinformation. And they're taking that world, and I'm talking about pre-COVID anti-vaccine, yes, and applying it to any yeah. debate that yeah. doesn't sit with the tribe correctly. You're right, it's just like, it's just being, just like the misinformation is abuse, is used so much to just mean information I don't like or I'm not willing to accept <laughs> That's right, right. Now. that's yeah. right, that's right. Um, so he says that, and then the kicker in my mind is he basically says, like, University of Florida is not taking any actions against this guy. And I was like, well, that's because what? he's a professor at a university, hey. and of course he has a wide berth to say what he thinks. What actions are you going to take against a professor who's expressing a... Even if you disagree. A viewpoint, even if you disagree. I mean, I don't write a letter in Science Magazine saying that somebody who thinks colonoscopy per protocol analysis is God's gift to Earth should be disciplined. <laughs> I just make fun of them on my show right. because they're wrong. But right. okay. It goes back to the Peter Duisberg yes. days of Berkeley. I mean, you know, he maintained, I mean, they didn't yeah. censure him. Okay. I'm so, sure they didn't like what he was saying. So yeah. then here's what I think is crazy Science is a journal. And they publish things on like the Big Bang and like the mTOR pathway. And oh, Holden Thorpe yeah. is the editor. And he's putting his finger on like the most partisan issue Mm. in a very partisan way. Mm. And he has some tweet that says, look at this credentialed expert amplifying a low quality study to make a political point. And then I tweet an example of a sheesh jaw. (laughs) He amplified, he retweeted a study Mm -hmm. that was on a website that had unadjusted analysis that shows Paxlovid was good, Mm. which is the political thing that his boss bought. That's right. And it's garbage. And everyone said, even people who like are mostly agreeing with him said this study's garbage. Yeah. Um, where is the science editorial saying that Ashish Josh should be disciplined? Yep, 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 yep. So it's so one-sided. And we have to be honest. There are like, I'm not a Republican. I mean, there's there's no Republicans in the university. Yeah. And Hyde has written about this too, that the shift towards the university being a a monolithic political culture. And actually even beyond what you typically call the left, university environments are the far fringy far part fringe. of the left like you know all the stuff that which i'm gonna we're gonna get to with the university of minnesota I'll which is you, interesting yeah, but yeah actually this may be a good segue okay. because, because it is interesting like i i think like all the things all the things the science guy said could yeah. actually apply maybe they apply to ladepo but they also apply to to people he's not calling he's out. not calling out yes and and uh i do think though some of the things are unfair like, yeah yeah say, they're unfair yeah say like the dude he wouldn't have gotten this. No, no, that's normally. nonsense. I yeah, mean, it's just. Yeah, yeah no, no. Like you, you I mean, the low quality yeah. study stuff. Yeah, like okay, that. Right, that right. Yeah, that stuff. Like, yeah. is it? Look, I think the majority of people in COVID policy have at some point cited a low quality study to make their point. Right. Except us. Right. Because <laughs> I just don't think we have. But um, but I think a lot of people have. Um, right. uh, uh, but but he's not calling them out apples and apples. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what's interesting too? There's a double standard here. Like he just accused this guy of getting his professorship as a political appointation. Yes, yes. Imagine yes. if we were to criticize or anyone was to criticize someone on the left, a person of color. Exactly. Who became a, prof- let's say a female person of color became a professor. It did happen. Ilya uh, Shapiro at Georgia is fired. 
Oh. He criticized uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson. Oh, wow. Remember, he's... Oh, he, yeah, right. His, his, his criticism, which I disagree with, but his criticism was something along the lines of, like, that race played an important role in her pay selection. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. You know, brilliant. He was fired for that. Yeah, I think he was fired, yeah. Mm. Or, or maybe he had some settlement agreement. I right, right, check, right, but right, I mean, right. I know, I, I think he was, I think he's like, an, a, I think he was terminated. Right, yeah. so the, what, what this guy's saying is politics is what played the role in this. I see, politics, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, is that different, really? No, I, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I you're mean, still accusing this person of not being worthy of the professorship. Yeah, and that to me just doesn't pass muster because like, I don't know, how many mm. MD, PhDs from Harvard work at the University of Florida health policy? I mean, I don't know. You know, this is a thing, you know, like, like no, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, but, but so University of Minnesota. Yes, so this is interesting. So we're talking about politics, tribalism, healthcare. And this one I, I'm struggling with. Okay. And, and I want to know your thoughts. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, because it's really interesting. So a lot of people sent me this. Cut it's the been, recording. No, cut, yeah, cut, <laughs> cut the feet. Cut, cut the, the feet. Cut the feet. Um, I love this Rogan phallus in my face. I really <laughs> like it. Actually, I think I may get one for my studio because I like being able to adjust it. Exactly. You, know? you can play with it as you do it. Yeah, I like to. I don't know, but the tension screws, I, I've never mastered it. If you if you adjust uh, it wrong, it like explodes. Like, oh, uh, sweet. Like, you know, you like open the top of Dude, the can and the thing snakes shoot It's so out. much like a penis, I can't even imagine. <laughs> so, so, okay, so, so back to this. Okay, University Minnesota. of Minnesota Medical School. Yes. White coat ceremony. Yes. Did you have a white coat ceremony at your I school? I did, yes. Okay, we did not at UCSF when I was there. I see. So we never did that hypocrite oath thing and having the the physician parents put the give you the code if you had a physician oh, parent course, and that kind of and so we didn't do all that but it's this rite of passage yeah. right like you get your coat before you go to the wards and all that now in university of minnesota they read an oath <clears throat> and apparently according to the university of minnesota the oath was created by students in partnership with faculty okay and the oath went viral and as a video of the dean of the medical school or undergraduate affairs or something, reading. or uh, reading the oath and the students okay. chanting it. Okay. And this guy who, uh, the dean that did the oath uh, is a very reasonably respected guy who's been, you know, seems pretty intelligent and, you know, sharp guy. They read the oath. It is basically like, first of all, we're standing on Dakota land and we're doing this and that. So naming all the indigenous lands that they're standing on. Then they say it's not enough to do that. This is in the oath. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Um, we need to actively, you know, overcome uh, all the, the power uh, hierarchy of medicine and this, that, and the other thing. And then it says, we, you know, we hereby uh, commit to fight, you know, white supremacy. Um, I forget. I almost want to read it because yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was pretty wow really uh, like, like ableism uh yeah. um what what else was it uh uh i forget a whole list of the usual catchphrases of pull it up while sort we're of, talking yeah, yeah. um actually yeah here here i'll put up on my phone. this is gonna be yeah and um, um so the reason it gets me thinking about is i mean what is the purpose of an oath i think just off the, before getting into the, the weeds uh one it's important that the oath is not a fad. Mm -hmm. So we have to pick something that has a timeless quality to it. Mm -hmm. So if it's using all this rhetoric that is only faddish now, I would have a problem. I would be, I think that's a mistake. Mm -hmm. Two, the Hippocratic oath was not perfect. It has a lot of lines in it that don't make sense, like that's uh, right. I will not cut for stone. Correct. Um, but which I think basically means I will not cut gallstones out, which doctors do these days because we have anesthesia and you know uh, and antibiotics, and I can do it safely. Um, but that probably wasn't too in the days of, of Hippocrates. Mm. Um, so something should be removed. Mm -hmm. But some things are really good about it, which is I will teach, I will hold those who teach me this art um, as sacred as my own 
parents, mm. which I think is a really important sentiment. I love that, yeah. Um, but it was also paired with, and I will teach their children this art for free. But I think oh, they cut that part they out. They cut that out because <laughs> medical students, schools are like tuition, son. Yeah. Um, okay, so what do you find? Yeah, so, yeah. so he says, okay, the acknowledgement is not enough before saying they must recognize inequities built by past and present traumas rooted in white supremacy, colonialism, the gender binary, ableism, and all forms of oppression. The students also committed to promoting a culture of anti-racism, listening and amplifying voices for positive change, and pledged to honor all indigenous ways of healing that have been historically marginalized by Western medicine. They say, we uh, vow to embody cultural humility and affirm that patients are the experts of their bodies. And they concluded by saying, we are honored to accept these white coats in light of their legacy as a symbol of power, prestige, and dominance. We strive to reclaim their identity as a symbol of responsibility, humility, and loving kindness. Well, interesting. So interesting. So now this is interesting. So I'm of two minds on this. Emotionally, initially, when I read it, I was like, oh, this is more of this like wokeification of medical schools. And they're just clicking all the boxes, ableism and white supremacy and all of this. And the people who sent it to me are good people that I like, oh, and they were outraged. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of outraged too. I mean, this is like a kind of a, almost like a cultural indoctrination in kind of wokeness. And then I read it again and again. And I was like, you know, but none of the individual sentiments are necessarily wrong. wrong. Yeah. And so you can understand the intention with which the students and the faculty probably came up with it. But now imagine you're a student that disagrees with this or feels like it's a political thing, like it's more of this left kind of dominance of the, of the, of the academics. Yeah. Um, but now you gotta, you gotta read this thing, right? Yeah, I guess, and I guess I've come to one thing. There's just one part that I think is like demonstrably objectionable, which is that, that line about like, I will honor the yes the uh, ancient the ancient healing methods, healing methods of of non non western yeah this was a good one because this one really? okay all indigenous all indigenous ways of healing that have been historically marginalized by western medicine so sacrificing a animal in the hospital because that's a Santeria <laughs> thing not, no I mean I, that, it, it actually actually this doing, yeah. no well, it came it came up yeah. in a um, in a book I forget what it was the spirit moves me and I we fall down oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Hmong the Laotian yeah Hmong yeah. people in in, oh, yeah, yeah. in maybe, Fresno maybe actually you're right. yeah uh, so I think that was a okay, like but what about this you know I would come from the Indian tradition yeah you know a lot of the things they did to heal people yeah Ayurvedic medicine and, you know a lot of them done work <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, and that's the thing. Yeah, so, a lot so of this stuff doesn't work. It, what are it, we talking about? You're saying, okay, we're going to go back to the magical thinking era because, and and the other thing is, you know, it's it's a struggle too when you're when you're when you're honoring. You're saying this is the Dakota's land. Yeah. The actual Native Americans did not actually experience the concept of land ownership. They were actually more homogenous oh, okay. with the that's earth. The land yeah. part. Yeah. Come so to the land, land part in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to beat on the on the on the, the indigenous native, ways of healing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what I'd say. Like, I think you could say that. There are definitely indigenous ways of healing that have never been rigorously studied. Correct. Maybe dismissed out of hand. Right. Um, maybe there's actually some truth there. Right. Just like so many actual medical products come from, uh, you know, the, the bark of a yeah, right, yeah. bark of a tree, willow or tree, right? or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, what was it? Sinchon tree is aspirin, and mm. Pacific U is paclitaxel, and okay. Mm-hmm. But and the cannabis tree, and the, oh yeah, which uh, you which know. treats my PTSD. Which, um, <laughs> it, it yeah. But it, to say that that kind of sentiment, it's like it should just be like it should, the statement should just be like, I promise to do medical things that have proven to work. Wouldn't that be nice? And things that people think work, 
Right. I'm happy to subject that to rigorous appraisal without being dismissive. Absolutely. That's all it is. And the truth is you can honor, like what does the word honor mean? I mean, we, I, I, I hereby honor all these indigenous ways of feeling. Well, yeah, I honor you. I also think it's not doesn't work and you're not going to do it. I mean, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so I honor the literature and the best attempt at understanding. And it's not just indigenous, like even in-, in Oh, the, anything. Even in Europe, Western yeah, Europe. Right. Most of the- Homeopathy is here. Most of the yeah. things they did for most centuries didn't right. work. That's right. I mean, what are we talking about? You're going to honor bleeding? Yeah, you're going to honor... I mean, hey, it works for something. Trepanation. Trepanation. Honor... That's right. uh, Bloodletting. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, Human gotta, sacrifice. we have to honor things that work and those who have proven what works and not honor. It, Yeah. So, you know, again, I okay, think no, I understand yeah. the intention here. And initially I was like, ah, you know, this triggered all my sort of anti-woke stuff. Yeah. But then I had to feel into it a bit and go, okay, so really though, what is it? it it's just people are trying to overcome what they perceive. Now, I said this on my supporter show. I think a lot of people who do this, who really focus on this stuff, they're not in the ethnic and racial and cultural context that they purport to be protecting. And in some way, it's almost like a kind of a savior mindset, like, oh, uh-huh. I'm not going, I, I, you natives with your ways, I, I will honor your ways. It's like, you don't even it's know like what that patronizing is. Patronizing and pejorative. Con- condescending yeah. and a kind of almost like in, injecting a power differential where it's already there and saying, okay, we're gonna further solidify it by saying, oh, but, but, but you know what, we're gonna, no white supremacy, no ableism, no any of this. And it's almost like that. I think she doth protest too much, you know? Uh, and what about a uh, separate from the content is just the matter of fact that if they're gonna be writing the oath each year like this, right? it's never gonna be the same oath. No, it's gonna be a different oath every year. And now, like, pe- society changes. Yeah, but this is like, I mean, is it an oath or a fad? I mean, right. I mean, the way that's written is very much a 2022 way of talking. Right, so, right. Right. I mean, the, I think the uh, here's how I put it. The point of the white coat ceremony and the oath is is because we are, I don't know. I mean, one you could argue that the whole thing should be scrapped and maybe right. maybe, yeah, we maybe, maybe maybe that's it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. my point of understanding is that we're trying to. It's about there's part there's medicine that's always changing, but there's some part about being a healer that is a continuous tradition that's, that's right. gone back to Hippocrates. That's right. And before. And there's something in that. And there's something in something that. in ritual. Yeah. And there's something. And and our part is to like just pick the parts that are really enduring. Right. And I think that part that like I will respect the people who teach me this art and hold them in, in, the, in the heart like my own father. Beautiful. I think and there's I think there's a lot of truth to that because yeah. actually the people who did teach me this art I do respect them. Me the too. I respect my father. And look how they treat professors now. They want to get them fired and canceled of because their class is too hard. <laughs> I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, redu- I'm reducing. Organic, organic yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. No, no, um, no. Yeah, so, um, okay, but all the stuff they're saying is like, it's stuff that's very much 2022. 2022. It's like, it's like you know, it's like they would have said BLM if it were last year. Yeah, right? and then in, in, in but 2032, they, this stuff will sound like... I mean, Why that, are you, yeah. It sounds like, oh my It's kind of like advocating for gay marriage, like right now. Uh, it's kind of like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, we got that. Yeah, like, or, or maybe it'll that, even That's sound legal, like, and maybe it can make them back. Yeah. No, no, maybe it'll even sound like tone deaf. Yeah, tone deaf. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. really, why? Why are you talking about this? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think it's interesting. Now, one interesting okay. thing. So, I had Robbie Pearl on the show. He was yes. a former CEO of uh, Kaiser Permanente Medical Group and all that. He wrote a book called Uncaring about the culture of medicine, and he said the white coat ceremony. He said this on my show. The white coat ceremony it was an interesting. It's the final kind of ritualistic indoctrination where you are separated from the muggles, the non-medical people, and that's why they allow, like in many white coat ceremonies. If your parents are physicians, they can put, they the can put the coat on you, or the hood on you. But if they aren't, they don't get to. They don't get to. It's almost like you are entering this kind of this tribe, and our ways are our ways, and herefore you will, you know, repress emotion, and you will do this, and you'll do that. And it's it, so it's interesting. So maybe it is 
I like I'm with you though. I think that thread of tradition of of culture and the ritualistic aspects of humans are very important. You know, I, that's why I think marriage is so interesting. Like it is like I was scoffing at marriage when I was young. I was like, this is stupid. Like why we're just gonna live together, you're gonna get a tax penalty, having to get married and all this stupid shit. Then you go through the ceremony and you're like, there's something here. Like there's something that feels like you are now bonded by community and some higher power so your to analogy this person. Is like, um, it's interesting that like many civilizations have evolved this concept. And, right. Uh, okay. Right. And, and similar for healing. Healing is like yeah. a, you know, many civilizations have a healer. That's right. And the healer has had a long lineage. That's right. We happen to come from, I think there's another recognition, which is like we happen to do come from one certain lineage. Yeah. And isn't that the Western tradition western lineage judeo-christian western lineage yeah the majority in the u.s and then and then the the impact of hopkins on on the early 20th century or like you know american medicine right right right, i mean also if anything if it's an american thing like modern medicine is deeply american that's right um and you know it's interesting because like i say that as somebody who's like you know my birthright is not this i mean yeah 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 Yeah, we're both uh imported yeah imported Yeah. yeah but uh you know I mean, there are great Indian doctors, but they're also of the American tradition. I mean, that's just right. Like, right. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, yeah, so, I remember Kainu Chatterjee at UCSF who developed the, isn't he the, the Swan Gans. Yeah, yeah. Or he uh, something about him that he's like a great teacher. He was the kind of guy, and and I I had the experience of actually being taught by him. He would say, uh, "It is the marmar of aortic insufficiency," and he was across the room from the patient. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, he could like he was such an amazing diagnostician bedside diagnostician diagnostician. but he was he was pissed that they called it the swan gans catheter because he said no it's a ba catheter because swan gans were like i think competitors or something like some other guys that were named but yeah that that kind of teacher again like honor like your own father i I think there's something there in that but again like so i don't know bottom line is that's why i wanted to talk to you about it on the Mm -hmm. show like initially it's interesting it's been politicized too so like a lot of like people who lean like very much like free speech all this they're like this is more woke indoctrination but the more i look at it the more i go okay people are trying to own these cultural rituals in a way now what would happen if you like disagreed and you didn't want to say the oath or you felt that you know again what is this what good is this really doing for indigenous people or people who and then what about the scientific stuff about indigenous ways of healing um so just having the conversation yeah, probably no, makes you think about I, it. I guess, I mean, yeah. my intuitive reaction is, you know, I wonder, I don't know, should students even be on the committee that writes this? Like, <laughs> is this yet another example of giving students too much control over their own And how, how many of the students objected? And, yeah, and, I mean, I can imagine some people don't like it, and I'm right. sure they just do what happens in the modern world, which is they keep it to themselves. You roll over and do it. They roll yeah. over and yeah. do it, and I don't know, maybe, I don't know what the solution, maybe is like, we've got to get rid of the oaths entirely, and like... Mm. Um, you know, because you make the interesting point, like saying you um, honor the land, how does that help any descendants of Native Americans or Native Americans? Right. But doing the oath, I mean, I'm not sure it actually makes you a better doctor at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, and, and an oath is almost a kind of magical thinking too. Yeah, because in the old days, thing. they thought you were bound by oath by higher powers. Yeah. Now it's just like, I'm just saying some words. Yeah, to get this. I mean, I think people do like getting the coat. Right. And they do like that pager. Right. That's for sure. And they may be a symbol of oppression, but once they get it, they like to wear it. They like to oppress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they like to oppress. No, I mean, when I got the, I mean, I had the coat, the short white coat, right? Because that was the UC way. Yeah. The University of Chicago way was everyone gets a long white coat. That's the Stanford way. To symbolize that we're always learning. Or no, it's the MDH is that you're always learning and you see that we're all the same, right? Ah, see, at UCSF, it was the hierarchical, like, hey, short coat, you got to be a waiter. 
until you earn the long. And then I go to Stanford and all these kids are wearing these long white coats. And I'm like, bitch, you didn't earn that. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I don't even, I don't wear a white coat. I hate it. Yeah, I don't wear it either. Yeah. I think it's dirty. Yep. Um, It's a fomite. It's It's just really there for the pockets and the prestige. Yeah. And it's also like the most, like the, obviously the hospital is willing to spend zero dollars on it. So they give you like the most boxy, worst, nastiest, the worst garbage. Oh my gosh. It it is the worst. It's all, it's all chafy on the back of your neck. You get that weird, like red chafing. I used to get that. Uh, I don't know, man. It's got the little, yeah. Yeah. The little tag. I don't know. I mean, I do think that I don't know about this oath and I don't know how they've written it. And I don't know if it, I doubt it'll be heavily adopted, but I do think that, I wonder if we are like missing the forest for the trees sometimes. Like, mm. what do you really want uh, somebody going into medical school to know? Oh, the Hippocratic mm. Oath. One of the things it had in it was keep your mouth shut. Mm. Like, you know, privacy. Mm. I think that, that that's an important thing in medicine that is really lost mm. a lot. Like, you know, we wrote that piece, Adam and I, called Case Reports in the Age of Twitter. Mm-hmm. We talked about people just blabbing all these blabbing stories. Blabbing all the stories, yeah. People blabbing all these stories. And you may notice that, like, even though I tweet often about medical issues i never i never see you talk about patients never i never tell the story out of school and then even the people who like kind of cheat around the edges like oliver Sacks, right and uh you know people once said he's the man who mistook his patience for a literary career right (laughs) right telling stories great stories though yeah because i think that's kind of a way in which culture shifted from the original hippocratic oath right and maybe we need to remind people that there is an element to like keep quiet what you see and yeah i mean to be honest i wouldn't go to a doctor who was like uh a doctor writer, right? Like, yeah, because you're gonna end up in the book. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. go to Atul Gawande. Right. Like, I was recently taking care of a 40 year old man <laughs> who had difficulty urinating. I'm like, Atul, no. <laughs> Let's go through the checklist Let's now. Go, yeah. On, it's like, yeah. We'll call him ZD. No, no. He's like, he was a professor at a university. I was like, Atul, no, no, don't say it. <laughs> Now, do yeah. not talk about my anal fissures. Yeah, right. Yeah, he he, he was critical of colonoscopy, but when push comes to shove, I was like, "No, until don't tell him." We pushed that scope right through his accessory anus. Oh gosh! Like, oh wow, you have an accessory anus too. So I mean, I think so. That's I think I think I don't know the privacy part of it. I think is an important thing. I think the other thing you want to teach him, and I don't know if an oath is, I don't know what it is to do, but I do think you need at some point to remind people that like one of the reasons why medicine is not easy is that there is no way you can know what's about to come. Right. And I think like the problem in the modern age is that they're so used to being successful because the kids who are smart are so successful that it's very difficult psychologically to come into a profession where you just don't know much. And like you can't, even if you're brilliant, like IQ one million, I don't know why, uh, 200. Yeah. Even if your IQ is 200, you can't know everything in medicine. There's just too much rote memorization that builds on each other. Right. and, you know, I think... And too much mystery. There's yeah, fundamental mystery, mystery yeah, in yeah. medicine. It's like not nobody like, knows. Not even nobody like, knows. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a lot of contradiction. We don't know why things happen. We don't understand cancer. We don't, you know, I mean, it's just... We don't understand gout. Forget yeah. about cancer. Something about simple. It. Yeah. And, you know, and then the thing that I think is different culturally is that, you know, that now they... I think they're more uncomfortable with that. And then all this kind of cancellation and mm. wokeification is a way to retake power back. Yeah. And, you know, not feel like you're at the bottom of the toting pole because mm. the, the one thing you know more about than the attending is like the woke. Wokeness. Yeah. Wokeness. That's a great, that's a great point. I would say that, yeah. yeah. You know, and I, again, like these are good kids, man. I mean, like if they're writing most that out, most of them, some of them are assholes, but yeah, most of them, I mean, you just won a teaching award, didn't you? Oh, Yes. Speaking of, yeah, I found most. out when I got here. I, this I, is a big we didn't deal. Talk about this? Um, yeah, no, yeah, no. I won the 
Yeah, I've won a few teaching awards over the last uh, seven years of being faculty. A uh, few in Oregon and uh, one here, the UCSF Excellence in Teaching Award. You know, you guys don't understand, that's a big effing deal oh, in you. academics because my wife wins those awards every freaking year and yeah. now she's program director. I see. And listen, say what you, I will say all kinds of terrible things about, you know, when me and my wife talk, I'm like, how come you can't teach me nothing? Um, <laughs> and she's the same way. She's like, how come you're not funny? And all this stuff, right? Yeah, but when, when, when push comes to shove, it is hard to win those awards. And they're not just a popularity contest. They're actually like, did the, did the students feel like they learned something? So I got to tip my hat to you because there are many people that would cancel you uh-huh. for just being you and say you have no business around students and the students feel otherwise. And these are students oh, that are indoctrinated in the current way of doing things. I think, you know, the, um, not that I know everything about teaching because you, I don't think you ever know, but I feel like that, you know, why might I stumble onto teaching awards sometimes is that like when I teach about something I know, I feel like I'm good at explaining it to somebody who doesn't know it, <laughs> you know, yeah. and like, and you're passionate about it. Yeah. yeah. And like, I don't know if you want to explain intention to treat or per protocol, you know, you want to hear about it from somebody who can tell it to you straight. Yeah. I recently was listening to some uh, lectures of teaching and like just you could find on the internet and stuff. Mm. And I'm like, what are they doing? Dude. It's like reading slides. Game recognize game, right? When you watch a terrible, you know, I just, I just did a talk of this nurses thing in LA and the person who introduced me was one of the nurse leaders Mm -hmm. and he went up there and he had that audience in the palm of his hand. Like you could tell this guy is an incredible educator, an advocate, you know, uh, and it was the way that he expressed what he cared about. And what he cared about was introducing me, all right? And he, he, I've never had an introduction that actually felt authentically correct. And he actually just did it. And then he also talked about all the other nursing stuff they were talking about. And I was like, that's a gifted person. I see. Then you see the standard and you go, okay, yeah, yeah, this so. is why we're struggling in all aspects of humanity. <laughs> the gifted people aren't allowed to, I mean, they often don't rise to those positions. It's usually the bureaucrats and the people that play the game just perfectly right. So I have another crazy theory, which is I think that, um, you know, I do think the students, as you point out, are like very good. Mm. Um, and I think that the educators to some degree have let them down because the curriculum is just so not related to what they need to know. Exactly. And that a lot of this, what people may call like the woke excess of medicine has crept in because rather than like, I don't know, they're just so annoyed and bored by the things you're teaching them Mm. that they want to have all these ancillary classes to talk about these other issues that they may feel more passionate about. But what they don't realize is that we could just talk about real medicine passionately and you can get some passion here and that should be interesting. Yep. And, you know, and I also, I don't know, anyway, I was just thinking. No, yeah. But um, where did we get to? Well, so, yeah, the Minnesota. Let's close the Minnesota. Yeah, so the, Minnesota. And, and before that, we were talking about... Oh, yeah. We had a whole list of things Ladapo. we were going to talk about. Ladapo. Then we, we sidetracked to Minnesota. And then you had a list of things you wanted to hit. You were going to hit... Um, <sighs> you talked about the science thing. Oh, what was on? I mean, I guess I think to put Colo. it all together, there is a, there's a thread here, which is that... Um, you know, I don't think 20 years ago anyone would have said, why did the New England Journal publish this, even if they were to disagree. Right. I don't think with Ladapo, 20 years ago, somebody would say, why did University of Florida hire him, even if you disagree? Right. I don't think uh, 25 years ago, you know, you would write that particular uh, thing. And I think that... That oath, yeah. That oath. Uh, and uh, and uh, I do think the students are capable of learning and being great. 
Um, uh, maybe the first two there is a commonality, which is like, I think that it's too easy to complain that you shouldn't have given out this information rather than like try to argue what you believe. Um, and then, oh, the point about the science guy I want to make is like, how, why is the editor in, like, you know, you and I are just two people. We have our points of views on all sorts of issues. But if you were also the editor in chief of New England Journal, you know, naturally you wouldn't be able to comment as freely on all these other issues yeah. as you are. Yeah. And this guy, he can either be the editor of science or he can say Joe Ladapo bad and forget about a huge jaw. Exactly. But he can't do both. It's can't ridiculous. Both. He can't do both. Exactly. That was an august position. Yes, you know, it, yeah, you know, and there were yeah. other editorial boards that were saying crazy stuff like this about people slinging misinformation and things like that. They're all getting crazy. It yeah. Was, I mean, and they're really abusing the word misinformation. That's the thing, man. Misinformation used to mean something. It used to mean it something. It used to mean misinformation. Yeah. And now it just means, well, you disagree with our particular political narrative. Now, now again, I get, I understand the group of people that are like, well, you're talking like an anti-vaxxer because that's how they talk. That's how they talk. And, and okay, yeah, so they talk like that. And that's, and that's just the kind of shirt that they would wear. You know yeah, what? Right. They would wear a blue checkered shirt just <laughs> like you're wearing. Why am I suddenly talking like George Takai? <laughs> San Francisco. That's good. I was born there. <laughs> that's good. good yeah, I know. Sulu is one of the few uh, voices I can I do. I was born there. Are you a Star Trek fan? Uh, no, not really. Not as much, yeah. When I was well, young, I, I watched was. all the reboot stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to watch the old series. I started watching it with my kids. They really love the- what, Patrick Stewart or the- No, the, the real old oh, one. Shatner. Shatner. God, the costumes are so ridiculous. Oh, dude. Dude. Did you hear- Oh, oh the, the, you know what? Now they have them in high def, so you can see them in 1080p. And you you realize how shitty those costumes oh, are I see. because in the old days you couldn't tell they looked kind of good. You remember the first time like they moved to the HD cameras and I watched Conan I was like my god no my god he looks so old yeah, right and like that's that's how I feel when I see my own sometimes face. it's too clear it's too clear like the makeup and he and he makes that face when they close up yeah I remember that so so Shatner when he went up into space with um, Jeff Bezos' yes. penis um, <laughs> he uh, he just wrote a thing about it that was actually really well done really? now Shatner's a drama queen. I see. Like we know this. Like every time, like when he landed, I remember that they, they did the news conference, and like they're all out in the desert, and he's a little wobbly because he's ninety, oh, and he just yes, went into yes, space. Yes. Oh yes. And you could see him trying to grandstand for the press. He's like, the amazing blackness of space, the stars, the Earth. It was, and like Bezos is talking over him. <laughs> and so he wrote a thing, and he said, "This is what happened." He goes up, they, they hit about three or four G's, and he nearly passes out because wow. he's like, "Dude, I'm gonna die. Like I'm 90. Like I don't know if I'm gonna make it." And as soon as he feels like he's gonna die, suddenly they they break through, and there's weightlessness. And he's like, "It was crazy." So we unstrap, and he looks down at Earth, and he's like, "Whoa!" And then he looks up into space, and he's like, he thought he would feel the sense of like, um, "Oh my God, space." And what he felt was, oh my God, the earth. Like it, it's everything that we ever thought. And in space is nothing but death. Like this is a vacuum. And he was like, get me home. Like it, it's a funeral up there. And here is everything we care about. And he said, he, he called it what, what astronauts have called it, which is the overview effect. I see. Where you finally see the context and the position that you're in and go, holy shit. And that was the first time he came to realize the earth was round. <laughs> <laughs> It's round. <laughs> now that, Spock. That's now, misinformation. That's misinformation, yeah, right. right? Like you right. want to send one of those guys up there. But you don't even need to correct it because yeah. most people just know that that's that's interesting. Crazy so talk. But I yeah. listened to yeah Shatner with Bill Maher on Club Random, and but oh. I, haven't, I haven't watched all the old shows. Yeah, Shatner's an interesting chap, man. T.J. Hooker. 
Yeah. Great show from the 80s. Terrible know. show from the 80s, actually. Um, <laughs> Angela so Lansbury, speaking of old people. Just passed. I thought she was already dead. <laughs> Come on. That's the thing. It was kind Mur- of like, uh, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, the Murder, She Wrote was always on on, on Saturdays. Absolutely. Murder, She Wrote. It's I was a-, a Columbo fan. Oh, I used to love Columbo. Man. And I love the Beastie Boys who shouted him out. I roll up a woolly and I watch Columbo. <laughs> Let me clear my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I love the reverse detective story where you see the murder... Ah, and, you, and the whole point of the, the exercise is to see how does he solve it. How does he solve it? Have you watched uh, Only Murders in the Building? No. Oh, is it's it really good. Yeah, it's on Hulu. It's uh, uh, Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez, who's actually really good oh, in it. Watch it. Yeah, I'm reading the some murder book series. I'll tell you offline. That's oh, good. nice. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. We don't want to. We don't want to pitch things we're not paid for. We don't get paid for anything until we get uh, <gasps> until until you get the AdSense. Um, Spe- speak, AdSense, you know what, right? Speaking of speaking, which so paid. so paid speaking. Listen. Say, yeah. Oh, you want to pitch us? I'm going to pitch us, okay. and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> so we haven't really talked about this much, but I've been doing these talks, and I have to be honest. I like wonderful audiences. I feel now like I've reached, I've done this for 10 years. I've reached the end of me standing on a stage by myself talking about stuff. I would love to go on the road with you. And do a show. And do a show yeah. with an audience that's interactive. Yeah. And film it or don't film it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But like do that instead because I think that would be much more dynamic and more fun for the audience. And we could talk about anything that audience is interested in. Yeah. I'd love to do it too. So if you're out there and you want to make this happen, you email Z Dog. Go or go to my website and there's a book Z thing and I'll make a new video there pitching this. But I think the the VPZD show live in your hood. With Q and A, with Q and A, interactive, and we have a call with with you guys and say what do you, what do you, what does your group want to learn about, yeah. and that's what we focus on. And I can talk about health 3.0. You can talk about evidence, and we can talk about communication, all the kind of things. Yeah, um, I, I think, think it, we should have our own little thing about, um, you know, COVID nineteen and how it made us think about medicine differently. Totally. That's a talk in itself. That's I think these shows for the last two years have been that. It's really that. It's really that. Uh, you know what's funny? So when I go on these things, it used to be people would be like, oh, I'm really interested in what you're building in Las Vegas with your clinic yeah, and yeah, the yeah. Health 3.0 and all this. Now what people do when they grab me in the lobby for the obligate selfie, which is so much fun, dude. It's like, who gets to do that? Oh, that's nice. such a blessing. You, um, they'll say, dude, you kept me sane during COVID. Oh, you and yeah, VP, yeah, 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 you kept yeah, me yeah. sane during COVID. And it's like, listen, I don't even know what that means but it feels intuitively like something I would like to do. <laughs> well, so. I, I think it's, yeah, I get, that's the most common thing I get, which is like, you know, I felt like I was maybe a little bit off, but you really articulated what I was feeling. That's what it is, yeah. Um, but that's what we'll close with, that little box. Um, you know, I read a thread recently, and it was somebody had COVID, and then they're like, the moment, it was like a family of, I don't know how many people are in this family, but one of the adults in the family got COVID, and they want to prevent it from going through their house. And they were like, you know, so they saran wrapped the door, mm. you know, they like, not just in their own mm. room, they put saran wrap around it. Oh, wow. And they bought all these uh, uh, box fans and duct taped them together into a cube. And then you, I don't know how, which ones you turn on, but it's mm. called a Corthy Rosenthal box or something. Ooh, Did you know that? I didn't know that. And, like, and they put like HEPA filters in it and they oh duct tape it all up. And, um, you know, and... I was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? See, I'm like, and, and I had a tweet saying like, you know, if you're using these in your own home, I don't agree with your COVID-19 policy. And a lot of people were like, well, I use it for wildfires and dust. And I'm like, okay, look, I'm not talking about that. Whatever you no. do for wildfires, you do for wildfires. Yep. I'm talking about COVID-19. Yeah. Okay, here's what I'm saying about COVID-19. We're all going to get it eventually. I totally understand that, you know, I, I had roommates in, in, in college and like if one person is sick, and you have two rooms, 
you don't want to get sick, then you like keep a you know a wide berth, but all within reason. Like they have to come out and get dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna saran wrap their door, right? And you know, if I'm going somewhere, I'm like, I don't want to get sick right before I go. That makes sense. But if I'm like, you know, it's just regular life, and uh, you know, whatever, I, I'm gonna take my chances. And COVID nineteen, it's going to get to that point. Yeah. In fact, it should be there already. It's there already, it should be. Yeah. Yeah, because like eighty six percent of kids have already had it, and a huge percentage of adults, it's hard to estimate, have already had it. Right. And if you don't get it now, you're gonna get it next week. Right. And saran wrapping the doors and buying these Corthy Rosenthal bucks. First of all, it's all unproven. Yeah. Like you might as well slaughter the cow and pay tribute to whatever ancient arts avoiding avoiding COVID-19 there were. You know, pay homage right. to Hey, that. pay. You honor the ancient you traditions, honor the ancient traditions of, of healing. The That's right. That's right. Building these things. But there's no, in the, there's no long-term point to this kind of craziness. That's right. That's right. I agree. So I think that's a beautiful perspective that we've tried to bring. And then I'll also talk about the other perspective too, okay. which is related to that, which a nurse told me when I was doing, but prior to the talk, she said, you know, I, I, I watched your show forever. My mother who's very conservative, um, felt that she was not being heard and that that the left was just ideologically possessed and she was not gonna get vaccinated even though she was elderly and at high risk and so on. And there was nothing that this nurse could do to convince her. And then she said, I'm gonna send you one of Z-Dog's videos where he talks about moral, your moral sense and this and this and why he I thinks see. that the vaccine is actually a good idea for elderly people at high risk yes, for severe disease. Yes. And she watched it and she's like, you know what? That guy did not make me feel like an idiot. And I went and got vaccinated. Yeah. So, yes. so those kind of things on both ends of this, like don't go crazy about COVID, understand risk. And then also if you are at high risk, how do you behave? Right. So this ideological possession forces people into these boxes that yes. then don't serve them. Don't serve yeah. them. And I definitely think that, you know, you and I in the first half of 2021, we got so many emails from people saying like, were it not for you, I wouldn't have been vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that was the first half of 2021. Now we're in the latter half of 2022, where I think we're just in a different discussion. Different point. discussion now, yeah. Now, now it's, it's like, like, are we gonna be perpetually boosted based on mouse data? Th- I, had another, I had another nurse come to me and say, listen, I have a question for you, and I think I know the answer. He said, I have a four-year-old who's had COVID twice. Twice? They want, his school wants to mandate a booster, and he's not, he's gotten like one vaccination, and I didn't do another, and I said, well, you kind of know the answer to this, <laughs> you know? Booster at the school? Yeah, at the school. I said, you know the answer to this. Your child is, is has a Super high degree well of immunity. Yeah, right. And whatever they say about boosters, you know that the truth is what you know. Yeah. And so he said, well, you know, thanks because you're you're saying this publicly too with Paul Offit, yes, which is very important. helpful, yeah. right? Yeah, so these kind of things I think are are the role of medical communicators as increasingly, that should be the role. And you know, we do get accused by people of being, you know, maybe we're biased in another way that now we're, we're, we're blind to something else. I don't think you are though, honestly. I, I am prone to bias. You're prone to bias? Yeah, because I'm very um, emotionally driven. Yeah, you know, like even earlier when I was talking about the the oath thing, I'm like, yeah, here was my emotional reaction to this. This is woke bullshit. And, da, da, da. Mm. and then I have to go back and go, okay, so what is the reasoning? Like, what's the alt middle look at this? It's this. Everything's true but partial. Okay, what's going on here? Okay, so then you can have a thoughtful discussion. Um, but you know what doesn't sell a lot of times? Thoughtful discussions. It doesn't sell. Yeah, what sells is pure volatility, emotion tribalism, partisanship. And that's what we bring you on VPZ. That's what we do. <laughs> so you, if your organization needs a couple of speakers... Couple of overpriced speakers because you know VP is reasonably be priced, but I refuse to be reasonably priced. Um, we're there for you. Uh, and then the other thing they can do, 
I think now it's finally official. You can subscribe. Oh yes. to Sensible Medicine. Yes, Sensible Medicine Substack. I think it's it's got it's it's the best place, man. You know, Dude. it's just the only place I can go where I read. And by the way, I read things in there I don't agree with. Yeah, me like too. All the time. Every me time too. Adam writes a no. <laughs> <laughs> Every time Adam writes a, a really balanced, John heartfelt. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm like screw yeah, this you know, like, guy. This guy sucks. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. I, I agree. And you know what we may want to figure out is if at some point we can do live videos for subscribers only on Sensible Medicine. I think we can. Oh, live? I don't know. But Not we yet. Do, but we can do videos. We can do video. So you and I could do a VPZD show just for subscribers on Sensible Medicine. And that That's would be kind of dope. That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah. But again, we have a public obligation. That's why we do this. That's not we behind do, a paywall. Of course, yeah. Well, yes, and we're doing it on your show now, which is great. Because your doing channel it on my is YouTube like, channel. Yeah, your YouTube channel so is twelve people will watch. Dude, it. no. <laughs> it's gonna be bigger than mine like next week. Because you are a machine at we're making doing those videos. It here? I don't know. I feel like, you know, you have a proper studio and here we're you sandwiched know, on one side of the desk. But, but what it has a different chemistry. Do you feel the dynamic is different? It's different. I do, yeah. yeah I I actually we're we're this is my take of the dynamic. You guys can feed us yeah, back. You can, you can us send that. us yeah. messages. Okay. So we're sitting here. I find myself looking at you kind of this way. Scans. And not so much as interested in the audience, even though I should be. Yes. And it feels more like a, because we're so close, like a very intimate conversation we would have over dinner. And in our studio, it feels more like, okay, this is a conversation that professionals are having. On it's still show. very relaxed, yes. but it's a show. I see. And so the dynamic for me, it feels different. It feels um, different for me because now... A quarter of my attention is on, is that recording? Is this recording? Is it coming? You know? Normally that's me. I normally that's you. Normally I'm looking at the box because it's my responsibility to make sure I don't squander your time yes. by screwing up the tech. Yes. And now it's your responsibility. Yes, so and, I'm relaxed. And I've screwed up before. <laughs> Have you? I think one of the, Oh, I've done it before. One of the best videos I made, like delivery was great, the points were great, yeah. and then I look and the audio was all garbled. Oh. And I was like, no. I think oh. I just had turned the volume all the way Oh, down. that's what happens. And yeah, like, oh, you're like ruined. You know, and then you never get the moment back. No, it's gone forever. It's gone. You know, it's funny. So I, early in the pandemic, I interviewed by Zoom, Eric Topol, mm -hmm. early because he was doing this um, study and he wanted to get the word out to try to get people, uh, healthcare professionals involved, I think in COVID analysis, whatever. And uh, his video was gone. So I had to make it uh, basically audio only, which on my platform at that time did not get any listens. I see. Yeah, so I'm like, well, hey, now that I see Eric all over being a COVIDian, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, he tweeted this like um, Scotland survey of long COVID and it was like, oh, we, I saw that. We yeah. messaged everyone to add about long COVID and 16% of people replied. I'm yeah, like, well, that's useless. Yeah, yeah, it's useless. Yeah, the thing uh, about long COVID, yeah, that's another discussion. But yeah. It's, one day we're gonna get into it, but. Um, yeah, we need to know more. I have intuition about it, but my intuitions can be wrong. Well, I uh, have intuition and uh, a study. And the only thing I'll say about the study is like, you know, it's an NIH study. Mm -hmm. And they look at like dozens and dozens of laboratory values. Right. And there's not a single difference. Right. Okay. And then somebody was like, they didn't look at all these biochemical pathways. And they show this picture of all the pathways. And you know, it's like this huge yeah. subway map. Right. But what, what they miss is these pathways are interconnected. Right. So if you pick 200 random things, you're going to you check them all. Yeah. You're hitting like a lot of these pathways. They're proxies for other things. They're proxies for other things. Yeah. And if not a single one is perturbed. Right. And here I'm being very specific. I'm talking about people who had COVID 19 that did not require intubation, hospitalization. We're talking about like mild. Who are now are, are diagnosed with long COVID. And 65% of them have what they call PASC, like persistent. COVID symptoms, right? Um, which is a lot. Yeah. And symptoms and the underlying biochemical pathway, you know. Yeah. We'll talk. We'll do a whole. It's show tough, about man. It. You know, because it's biopsychosocial. Like, and yes. the the psycho and social parts are so powerful with this disease yeah. because we've been in two years of of life trauma. Yeah. And and duct taping 
yeah. box fans. Right. Yes. Yeah. Sick and exactly. Print right. Saran wrap on their door. And conflicts with your mom over vaccines. You yeah. Know, which never that doesn't didn't and used to happen. Losing your job over vaccine. Yeah, all this kind it. of yeah, stuff. Exactly. And then also and Twitter pundits going out there and telling everyone you need to feel. Remember your fatigue. Oh yeah. You know, like yeah. this is a priming yeah. thing too. Oh, it so. is. And this has happened in Hong Kong. They the study about the girls who would just they would have these um, drop faintings, drop yeah, attacks. Yeah. I mean, there is a social contagion of everything. That's why I say biopsychosocial. Biopsychosocial. Yeah. The social component of it. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, we think we did a thing. We did a thing, and uh, it's good. And now uh, we will. And we'll link put to the out. we'll yeah. link to the video on uh, Vinay's channel for people yeah. who are just listening on audio. And uh, and you can leave in the comments if you like us on the same side of the desk, if you like the lighting, if yeah. you like the audio quality, yeah, uh, and uh, if you like the talent. No. <laughs> Yeah, not necessarily in that order. Just not, just yeah. to talk about the the technical stuff. And but. email Z if you want to uh, get us. If to you want to uh, hire us, and honestly, anyone who approaches me for speaking now in 2023, I'm going to pitch both of us. And if they don't want both of us, then they're going to get none of us. Oh, I see. Yeah, because I'm you're tired. I'm tired of it. Yeah, Dude, I'm not. I'm not looking forward to getting on airplanes. But yeah, but you know what? You at your you're so much on the uh, upswing upswing of and your career, the, and I'm on the downswing. You're on the maybe we shouldn't do colonoscopy anymore side. <laughs> You're on the maybe. That's right. I'm not sure about this. And I'm on the maybe. Yeah, wait a few more years wait a and we'll start. Years and we'll decide. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, on yeah. that positive note, we're out. We are out. Peace.